in my 26 years, I was always prepared to ref- accept the referee's decision, good, bad or otherwise. And I've had some shockers in my career, let me tell you, and I've had some go my way as well. But I'd cop that because I just wanted a, the game to be played. But when we're complaining about decisions every week, this is what's going to happen. People are just going to forensically scrutinise everything to make sure that they're comfortable it's right. And even at the end of that, we're still not happy. So what does that mean? Well, that means that we're going to see a lot of standing around. And I, I just think it's just diminishing the authority of the referee. You know, you can't tell me that referees are in controls of the game now. They're not. The reason that I'm here is because, you know, the club is seeking change. He said, well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different first team under me. You know, my hope and my desire and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aestetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. This is episode 150, and this will be a little bit of an airing of some grievances. I'm quite sure of it. Uh, we've got Caroline alongside. She's at CG Stefko. Caroline, how are you on this Monday evening? How am I? I uh, yeah, it's not a great question. As I say this. Uh, yeah, how to even describe how I feel after this weekend of football um, in the land of Tottenham Hotspur. It was a lot. It was a lot. It, it, it was a lot. It was a lot. We're going to, we're going to get into it. I don't, don't even, I'm just going to, just going to let people behind the curtain here. This is going to be a tough one for us to get through without many expletives. So if the, if the children are in the, in the car, uh, maybe, maybe leave this one for your workout later when you've got some headphones in or something, uh, we also are joined by a man who I know will always play a high line when asked. Uh, he is Dakota at Dakota J Booth on the Twitters. Dak, what's going on, man? I, I don't really know what that means, but you know it sounds provocative and it gets the people going, so I'm all for it. Uh, it's okay. Things are fine. Uh, you know, unfortunately. We, or maybe fortunately, we don't have to try to find the phone number for the Arsenal Invincibles Bulls anymore because that ship has sailed. Uh, but, you know, maybe the, the could we is still in play. Who knows? It could be in play. It could be. Could we? Could be. Who knows? Um, let's just let's just get into it before before we even get into this 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 game. Tottenham Hotspur one, Chelsea four. Um, Mauricio Pochettino made his return to N17 to White Hart Lane to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. This was of all the matches in all the land that I wanted to win this season. It was obviously this one. I did not want Tottenham Hotspur Football Club to allow Mauricio Pochettino to bring Chelsea in to North London to win a match. And honestly, I kind of still don't feel like he did, which is weird. But at the same time, the scoreline says what it says. It said four goals for Chelsea, one for Spurs. Um, I did not get to watch a lot of the pre-match leading up to this match, uh, leading up to this game. I kind of turned it on right as the game was kicking off after getting home from work a little bit uh, earlier than I expected to. But... I was grateful for for the fact that I felt like this was not overhyped as Mauricio Pochettino returns to play Spurs. It was about the game, but also, and and Caroline, I'm curious if if, if you agree with me on this. This I I think it feels a little bit more and more like all of the 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 parts of the Pochettino Spurs, aside from obviously Sunny and Dyer, who didn't start but somehow inexplicably did play, which we will obviously come on to, there are a few parts still lying around, but there are not even any parts from Chelsea really hanging around from the days when when Poch was here, which which makes sense. It's been four years, but it feels like a lot of the shine of of Chelsea Spurs with a Pochettino-led Chelsea 
is a little bit off and maybe it's just because Chelsea's been so bad this season and we've been off to such a great start, but this felt a lot more, um, I guess, cordial than I, I perhaps expected it to leading up to it. Does, did, would you agree with that? I think so. I think it just, it felt like a game of football that had a lot of, well, just a lot at stake for both teams, I suppose, because we were in a position where, you know, we had seen some of our top four rivals drop points this weekend before us. And we had this opportunity to sort of consolidate the top spot if we had won, which we sadly did not. And Chelsea are kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum where, you know, they're having a really poor start to the season and, um, you know, kind of had something to prove. And, and then you throw in, you know, the fact that this is a derby, no matter who are the players out on the pitch playing it, like that's always going to be kind of a baseline element to this fixture. Um, and sadly, I think some of the players on our team did not handle that aspect very well when it came down to it and kind of let emotions get the better of them. But I didn't feel... Like you said, the emotions weren't really coming from the whole, the Pochettino of it all. Dakota, there was a lot of talk leading up to this game that not only if if Spurs were to win it and win it emphatically that Pochettino might be sacked, but also that he was just going to be relentlessly booed. And again, I didn't see a lot of the, the pre-match or I didn't really, it didn't really come across on the broadcast that he was getting relentless, you know, abuse from the fans, but what was your take on on his return and and just kind of what seemed a little bit calmer perhaps than than some might have thought it might be? Yeah, I feel like um, you know we don't get to see everything as you know viewers, um, but I feel like when they were do, reading player and and manager introductions right uh, right before the players, right as the players are walking out onto the pitch. Uh, I feel like I heard uh, just a, a slight boo when they read his name. And then, yeah, nothing else was mentioned until then, uh, or a- after then, rather. So, yeah, it seemed like it was less of a deal, less of a big deal than maybe we anticipated. And I think, honestly, a lot of that comes down to us. Um, you know, a- Ange's words from many years still ring true they're talking about us they're talking about our game i think i wanted to start off the podcast talking about pochettino just because i didn't want to talk about the game to to kick things off um because who who would um but let's 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 get into the game because i do think um i do think it's important to kind of weave our way through this because honestly in the first let's call it 15 minutes i thought this was a four nil this was a, a game that Spurs in the first 15 or so minutes just came out and frankly dominated in no small way. And the Dan Kulisevsky goal, which I actually had to look just before we started recording, the game has been completed now for about four and a half hour or so hours. Um, and I did not realize that they actually credited Dan Kulisevsky with the goal. I thought it was an own goal. But according to the internet, it is a Kulisevsky goal, which is 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 wild to me. Um, but you get the Kulisevsky goal, you get um, you just just Spurs were just opening Chelsea up. They 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 were they were first to every ball. They were quicker. They were not giving away anything, and it was. I think some of the, it sounds so silly to say now, eleven games into the season. But I think that might have been the best 15 minutes that this team has played all year. And you can understand it. They came out really pumped up for a Monday night game where you can go back to the top of the league with three points. Um, it's against your former manager, as we've already discussed. It's against Chelsea, which what what more motivation do you need? Um, and I thought for those first 15 or so minutes, Dakota, this team looked about as good as it has all season. Yeah, we really looked up for it, and um, Chelsea had no answers, and we were we were cruising, like you said. It, you know, it looked at least a four nil, if not more than that. And you know, I really think everything everything that happened 
in the game, you know, the whistle's blown at, you know, hundred minutes or whatever it is that it ended up being. And I think you can trace everything that happened back to Hyungman's Hyungman son's offside goal being disallowed. That for whatever reason seemed to be the turning point of the game. And I think a lot of people I've heard, I've seen and heard a lot of people talk about uh, destiny Udogi's challenge on Sterling where he won the ball and maybe nicked Sterling and ended up getting his first yellow card being the thing that breathed life into Chelsea and turned the game. But I think that second, that second goal that ended up being disallowed is what really changed the game because maybe that gave, you know, gave Chelsea some life or maybe that let them know, okay, we really need to play Um, because if that second goal goes in, who knows how many we score, but that little bit of life being given to them kind of changed the game because shortly thereafter, you know, we find Cudi Romero up at the pit, up at the other end of the pitch. And, (laughs) and then, you know, it's all downhill from there. Um, which I know we're going to talk about Cudi Romero because he got a red card today. I'm willing to live and die with the decisions that he make because he's an incredible player and it's the things that happened today are going to happen, but also he's going to go a month without conceding a goal for club and country also. So that's my two cents on Cootie. But that moment is really the, the sticking point for me. Yeah, we'll definitely come on to talk about Cootie. I do want to talk about the, the Adogi yellow before we get to that. I, I want to I attempt as best we can to do this a little bit in chronological order just because I feel like this is a game unlike some others that that really leans on how the flow of the game went about um and i agree with you the the, the sun you know the, the the waved off goal from sun which i thought oh there's no way he's off and then you look at the line that they draw the lines and the fucking var and the yeah there's the first one sorry like it's it, the, the the i think the the biggest headache of this game was from that moment I think you kind of knew this was going to be one of those games where there's a lot of standing around waiting. And that's, I think more than red, multiple red cards, more than multiple chopped off goals, more than some questionable officiating the standing around and the waiting for a guy down the road to look at a video screen and draw some lines or to, to look at where a challenge came in that kind of shit just kill you're not watching a football match at that point you're you're watching a bunch of guys decide what just happened and i think this is part of where we, we you know we heard from Ange after the match a lot i think this is where a lot of his frustration comes from it's not about the decisions he's not complaining about the the decisions that went against spurs or the even the decisions that went for them but rather this is where VAR has come in and interrupted flow so damn much. And Caroline, I want to go to the Adogi yellow because I didn't at first glance in, in real time, think it was a foul. And then you see the replay and you see, okay, maybe his foot clipped the shin or leg or ankle somewhere there, but it did not look. What's the word I'm looking for here? Violent in any way. It didn't look rash it that was checked for a red card because of var like what are we doing i didn't think it was a foul it ends up being a yellow and i saw people spurs fans not just people like i saw spurs fans saying wow Adogi's really lucky not to be sent off there because you saw a a slowed down replay on var and had it like had, had to have that drilled into you like what are we doing here yeah, I had the same reaction as you in real time. You know, I'm shouting at my TV that that was a clean tackle. And I mean, I still think it is, frankly. And I think Sterling has the reputation that he has for a reason, you know, went down like a sack of potatoes. Um, so that didn't help. But I, I think the challenges that, or rather I should say the instances where Dougie was lucky to stay on the pitch, not only was the one that he actually got sent off for, but the fact that there was that kind of, you know, scrap 
between a few of the players that he went and inserted himself into. And I felt like that was really the moment where I was the most frustrated with him because I think you're right. Having all these kind of stoppages to the game and the lack of flow, our players did not handle that well at all in the first half. Like they just, they got so worked up, they lost their heads. And I really thought we had gotten past this point, especially with players like Romero, uh, which, you know, we can argue about his red card also, but a player like Udagi, I recognize that he is a very young player. He's new to this league. Like maybe this hopefully will be a teachable moment for him, but I still felt disappointed in the way he kind of handled his game. Um, but I don't think that first incident was the problem <laughs> personally. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the second yellow for me, and I know I said I wanted to do a lot of this chronologically, but we are talking about a here who eventually got sent off in the second half. The second yellow to me is just about as boneheaded of a play, honestly, as the Basuma second yellow a few weeks back. Um, you just can't make that challenge in that position, knowing that you're on a yellow card. Um, and that one was a, that was a stone cold yellow card and second yellow and sorry, you know, hit the showers. Um, he knew it. The first one he is just from the moment he did it. Yeah, he, he exactly. He, he knew what he did and, and there was no, no real argument about it. But I do think, think that the sun waved off goal for the, you know, toenail offside or whatever ended up being offside. Um, and this Adogi yellow card, which wasn't even a foul followed by just the, at that point, I think you're, the point you made Dakota is right. Like at that point, Chelsea are like, okay, we're in this thing. Let's go. And Chelsea started picking up the pace and then they get their two, <laughs> two different goals chalked off from VAR. And, and in that moment, I'm thinking what, what, what's, what's happened. What, this is all of a sudden, like I, for the first for 15 to 20 minutes, I thought this is, this, this has Spurs four nil written all over it. And now all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, we need to hold on for dear life here. And then we, get to the Romero incident and this is one that I'm gonna I'm gonna like have to Jekyll and Hyde myself a little bit here I'm gonna have to say it's total bullshit but also I get it um just because the leg comes through and he he kicks the damn ball and on the follow-through the leg comes through now I, I think I, I've sat with this, as I said, this match has been over now for about four and a half hours. I've sat with this and stewed with it um, for that long. I, I think that no matter what, you, like, like Ange said in his post-match, you have to accept the result. But I think what I've come to is you can't, you, you, you can because the rules written that way, but we, we can't be sending players off for a player. If you want to give him a yellow card, if you want to say, yes, that's a penalty. But a straight red for for an incident like that, where he gets the ball and it's on a follow through. There was no kick out there. There's no, now we can talk about the Romero incident from earlier before the, he got the red card, where it looked like on a replay he might have kicked out. Uh, if you want to have that talk, sure. And Caroline, your point about maturity and keeping heads, like 100% agree. Spurs did not keep their head in this match, and that is. It's honestly, I think it's the first time that I can remember in this new era under Ange that Spurs just lost themselves for 15, 20 minutes in a match and it cost them dearly. Um, but the Romero incident is, is a little bit hard luck, I think, on his part, especially with, with the way that we feel like he's changed this season and really shown leadership. But also, I just think that it's it's unfortunate the way that... It, you know, the way that his leg went through. Uh, I, I, I don't really have a question for either of you. I'm just going to kick it to whoever wants to take it. Cause I don't I feel like I'm rambling about Romero now at this point, Dakota, give it, you want it. You want the ball? No, Caroline wants it. Go ahead. Somebody take it. Well, I, I think I'm kind of where you're at, where it's like, I don't think I can definitively say he didn't deserve it. I don't think I can say, you know, he did deserve it. It's, it's a tricky one. The problem is the ref didn't call it to begin with. So this is where it becomes like a VAR intervening kind of situation, which 
never feels good. <laughs> um, but I think if you look at the whole of his performance before the sending off, it felt like he'd been leading up to that happening. So even if I don't necessarily think, you know, the the kick itself, because you're right, he was literally just defending the ball. Um, ordinarily, I would not think that was worthy of a red, but it kind of feels like it was going to happen at some point with him anyway in this game, because he was just, he was off the handle, frankly. Um, and he was lucky that <laughs> he didn't get sent off for the little kick out earlier in the game, which to me, that doesn't rise to the standard of a red card either but I know plenty of people felt that way um and it's I think it's just disappointing because we had really seen him appear to have matured this season and taken on his leadership role really admirably and for him to go and do this and put the team in such a bad situation um it just sucks you know there's there's no other way to put it yeah I I you know, we were even in that position because Cootie gave the ball away. Um, rather than, you know, just booting the ball through the air, he tried to pass it on the ground all the way up near the halfway line and it ended up getting uh, getting intercepted and then the ball got put into the box. So it, he he started the trouble and then he ended the trouble with, with getting sent off. I, I'm with you guys. I don't think it's... A, it's even close to ascending off. I think it's very, very difficult to to make that decision because he was clearing the ball and there happened to be a shin in front of him. Uh, I think it's quite harsh. I hope that it gets overturned um, because if not, I, I'm, I think it's a three-game ban for violent conduct since it was a straight red. Um but, you know, hopefully we don't have to miss him for that long. Uh, and, yeah, like Caroline said, I think it was a, a glimpse into the old cootie today, which I, I think I thought of this, Caroline, while you were talking. Romero is such a, an emotional player, and he kind of feeds off the emotion around him. And even though he was not around when Pochettino was leading our club, he felt the emotions of the fans who were very much involved in the club when Pochettino was around and wanted this win, Andrew, like you said, more than anything. You know, we this is the game that's been circled since the moment Mauricio was hired. And I kind of wonder how much of that, like, kind of outside emotion that Cootie was carrying from the stands and brought it onto the field. And that's why we kind of saw this... <laughs> chaotic evil from him whereas we normally have this season have seen chaotic good or chaotic neutral yeah and i mean i know we talked about how we weren't really feeling kind of the the potch factor watching you know obviously many many miles away on our tvs but i do know that the commentators kind of remarked that the atmosphere at that point was feeling really negative so i can i can see that kind of contributing to his overall um, lack of control in that moment but I do think it's frustrating you know you pointed out if, if he does get that full three match ban he's going to miss some really important games so the fact that he didn't have that in the back of his head I think is is kind of a knock on his leadership um, because really as one of the the leaders of the team he's got to be cognizant of that like end of the day by the way, the third match in that three-match ban would, of course, be the Manchester City game. So we'll put that just out into the universe. Um, I, I'm I'm hopeful that it gets reduced as well. But I I I think I said during the game in our group chat, like that's getting overturned. No way. But I, as I've thought about it more, it's probably not. He's probably going to have to sit for three more games, um, which is a real shame and it is it's it, it's it's not only a real shame just for him personally but it's the thing that we've talked about throughout the season in that this team does not have the depth to be losing players and of course we're going to come on to <laughs> the other losses that have been experienced following this game in addition to what, what looks like a three-match ban for Romero um with Van de Ven and and 
Madison, perhaps uh, we're not we're not 100 sure on Madison. The Van the Van de Ven one looked bad. We'll come on to that. The one thing, other thing I wanted to get to though, with just with this Romero incident is obviously you get a man sent off and it's a center back. You've got to make a substitution there. So he so Ange brings Dyer in for for Brandon Johnson, and I just felt really bad for Brandon Johnson because I thought he looked really lively in the early going of this match, and he kind of earned his start. Uh, you know made the the one start when he when he first got to the club and looked really bright and then had picked up the knock missed a little bit of time is now back to it and you know had to be pulled from the pitch just because of a red card incident which was a real shame um, i thought it was kind of hard luck for him and then the other thing to mention and maybe we can veer off slightly from from going through this thing but vicario was so close to saving that penalty i mean so damn yeah. close um, and Vicario for, for, for a man who technically allowed four goals, uh, was incredible once again. Um, and was so good. I mean, go, go check out his, his touch map, his heat map. Like he was all over the place. If you watch the game, you know, what we're talking about he, and, and we're going to come on to a discussion about this high line as well, but like he was so good and he almost saved the penalty, which would have just been, I mean, we think about the, those moments in this match that could have really turned the tide one you mentioned dakota that the sunny goal which would have made it two nil imagine if Vicario makes that save and it's still one nil and yeah you're still down a man but think about how long it took chelsea to get the second goal after they got the penalty maybe if that's their first goal we're, we're still walking away from this thing with a point perhaps you just never know but it, he was so close and, and vicario just i wanted to to shout him out before we, because I don't think it would get overlooked. You know, he's, he's obviously he's, he's down there and he's, he's firing up the crowd. He was so into this match in so many different ways. And I just thought it was the penalty was just, he was right there. And it was, it was a, it was a damn shame that it, it squeezed by him. But, um, the very quickly, very, yeah, very quickly. I, Eric Dyer came in and did an incredible job. Um, you, you read my mind. That's exactly he, where I was going. He, he, this guy wasn't in the match day squad for the first month of the season because he had been kind of banished. <laughs> and, you know, he put his head down. He kind of, you know, I think we had a couple offers for him in the and late in the transfer window and he didn't want to leave. No, uh, he wanted to, he wanted to stay here and prove that he is a useful player of the squad. And he showed that he's a very useful player in the squad today. Um, another one of those, you know, moments that, you know, we keep talking about these moments. If he's on side for that volley that ties the game in the, you know, what was it? 77th minute or whatever. Um, you know, that, that crowd carries that team to at least a draw, if not a win, uh, even being down to nine men. Um, so yeah, let's talk about Eric Dyer and the subs that came on because they were, he, he they was, were great. he was really solid. And honestly, I, I wanted to shout out both Emerson Royale and Pierre Mojavier as well, because those guys came on after Dyer for, for the two injured players. And I thought all three of them for having to be pressed into duty earlier than you might've expected them to, and especially the case with Dyer, because I don't think we ever would have expected to see Dyer on the pitch had there not been a red card or an injury. Um, I thought he was great. I thought Hoybier basically had to was asked to play like three different roles in the in the course of this match, which was remarkable. He was he was playing higher up in the midfield, sitting in the midfield, and then eventually back at center back, which center is back. just it's kind of ridiculous. Um, and then the same the same goes for for Emerson Royal. You know, he he was bouncing between like playing a little bit of center back, a little bit of full back just roaming all over the place, just trying to make things happen. Uh, I thought all three of those guys who, who were kind of forced into duty, you know, Benton Cora and skip came on later um, and were just kind of more, your more standard subs. But uh, the, the, the three guys that had to come on, you know, into kind of forced duty were, I thought really remarkable. And it is interesting. Like I, I have zero confidence that Eric Dyer is going to be any good if he has to start over the next three matches in place of of uh of Romero but at the same time like I can still praise the fact that he did well coming on as a sub in this match and be fine with that. Yeah, the only slight I think uh you know water I'm going to throw onto this is that 
his weaknesses were really on display at the same time. Um, or maybe, maybe not even so much his, his weakness. Like, obviously we know that he's not the paciest player, but kind of comparing him trying to track back to defend the way Mickey Van Deven can, it was just like night and day. Um, so that was just, I mean, honestly harsh on Dyer that he was being, you know, called into that kind of situation. Um, but I do think for the most part, he did play very well and, you know, he was so close to getting that equalizer, if not for the, the offside, but Javier, I think was just an absolute warrior out there. And that goal line clearance that he made had me out of my seat. Incredible. <laughs> um, just I think, incredible he, I think he kind of made the goal line. I think he almost made it by mistake and was surprised that he made it. He they celebrated the damn thing like a <laughs> yes. He celebrated it like he scored a goal, which I thought was hilarious. But that's but, that's kind of what we needed at that moment, though. Yeah, hundred um, percent. We needed those kind of moments where we could regain a little bit of belief and feel like you know there's still hope. We're still in this, and honestly, I think it was just a matter of us tiring finally at the end that allowed Chelsea yeah, to, yeah. to get those you know decisive goals like it wasn't honestly it was not anything down to Chelsea playing good football they were not playing good football no. and there's no universe in which Nicholas Jackson gets a hat trick if we are not down to nine men I just had to get that out <laughs> that, there I'm sorry yeah that that and no I want to I want to emphasize that point I want to double click on it and look this is going to sound a lot like sour grapes coming from a Spurs fan I get that but listen you're listening to a Spurs podcast right now, so you're going to get a little sour grapes. That Chelsea team <laughs> is fucking awful. They are so, so bad. Like, I'm surprised they're, after this result, in 10th place right now. Like, that is not even a 10th place team in terms of its quality. They are so bad. And if we had won 4-1 or 4-0 or something, I, could, I, I now get why there were like rumors that Pochettino's job might be in, in danger because I have not watched a lot of them. I don't really care to watch them. I don't want to see that man on the sideline for them, but they are so bad. And <laughs> the first 15 to 20 minutes showed how bad they were. We were, we were running them. And that's to say we're, we're also pretty good when we, when we're at full strength. Um, but the, gosh, they are so bad. And, you know, I don't think Pochettino really made any sort of tactical changes once they got the man advantage that improved them. Um, you know, if anything, it was, it was Ange that really made some bold calls that allowed us to stay in the game. So I, again, it just reflects upon the different kind of States that our clubs are in despite, you know, the, the literal result of this game. So. Yeah. I, I'd like to circle back to Hoybier because yeah, there's a non-zero chance that we're going to see him start at center back on Saturday uh, against Wolves. Um, yeah, yeah, that because... is. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you guys, like, yeah, where do we go from here? Because that is daunting right now. Yeah, Ben Ben Davis is not was not in the match day squad again today because he's still dealing with an injury that he picked up that forced him off at halftime in the last game that he did play which he missed the game before that because he was injured. So doesn't sound like he's necessarily going to be an option on Saturday. Mickey Vandervin's hamstring is in several parts, probably. Uh, unfortunately, um, we don't have another left-footed person that's able to play because Destiny Doji got a red card and Ryan Sessignon also probably has hamstrings in several parts. Um, so I think it's, it's either Ash, Ashley Phillips, 18 year old Ashley Phillips or Pierre Mill Hoybier, uh, alongside yeah, Eric Dyer. See, so it's not like, I know. And your, your point about a is well taken too, because I'm like, oh, well you could potentially play Emerson Royale at center back, but he's probably going to be needed on the left side with Pedro mm -hmm. Poro on the right, because Udogi's going to be out. It's just like, what? What, how you know, did we possibly lose three of our four in the back line for, for potentially multiple? Well, I guess Udogi is not multiple games, but what 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 the hell happened? I mean, that's why I I just could not believe how many bad things happened in this game. It was it, like, it is, was is this law. like the universe? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I I don't even know. I can't explain it, but on on the center back 
question. I think for me, I mean, obviously this is a huge call because he has yet to make a Premier League appearance, <sighs> but I think I would have to go with Ashley Phillips just because he does have starting experience in the championship and it's his actual position. So I think I feel better about that than <laughs> shoehorning in, you know, <laughs> somebody else who, who probably would be better suited somewhere else. So I don't know, but it's, it's a tough decision and it, this really just goes to show how much work there is to be done in the January transfer window because we yes. cannot get into this pickle again. Yeah. I mean, well, and, Alfie and, Dorrington and, is very likely going to be on the bench on Saturday um, because there's not another center back. And here's the other kicker. If you do make the bold move to start Pierre Emil Hoiver at center back, where are you getting your depth from the midfield? If James Madison has to miss, you know, are you trusting Giovanni Lacelso to be thrown in there? Are you trusting Oliver Skip to be thrown in there? Are you trusting Rodrigo Bentancourt to make a start? He's still trying to get himself up the fitness. There's just a lot of moving parts. And look, we talked for months and months about the depth on this team or the lack thereof, to be perfectly honest, and how if you lose one of these guys for, for a game or two or three, uh, it could be really devastating. Well, we've lost three of them for a game or two or three. Like, And it's like a more. domino effect, you know, across yes. the whole formation. So it's, it's, it's fucking brutal is what it is. It's really, <laughs> really, really brutal. The Vandeman God, thing. It's brutal out here. Oh, it is Olivia. It is. <laughs> um, the, the, the Vandeman thing. Let's just double click on that because when I, saw him pull up i i literally felt like a shiver on on my skin like i was like oh no no i did not just see him oh yep and and now he's down it was devastating and and i i like again we've talked about the lack of depth i think the one player that we could not stand to lose is mickey vandeman I really think he's been, I mean, some might say Romero, some might say Vicario, some might say Sun or Madison. I still think it's been Vandeman. And look, Ange was not hopeful in, in the postgame presser. He he said it's going to be a while. I, I'm not going to put like timeline on it. It could be weeks. It could be months. It could be more than months. I just don't know at this point, Um, but it's bad. And January literally cannot come quick enough. That's 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 where I'm at at this point because I don't think I frankly don't think we see Van de Ven before January. I know I said I don't want to put a timeline in it, but I don't know that we see him before before the end of the calendar year and they're going to need to go out and do some some more work in the center back spot in terms of of transfer business in order to get depth in this in this team. Yeah, all, all of a sudden, uh, there is a place for Tapsoba to uh, step into and play early and often. Uh, all of a sudden. <laughs> all of a sudden. Uh, just to put, put a little context out there for hamstring injuries, not that I'm a hamstring expert. I'm, I'm very much not. But a couple of years ago, Harry Kane severely ruptured his hamstring had surgery and was back on the pitch playing games nine and a half weeks later. So um, assuming Mickey Vandeven had surgery at halftime uh, <laughs> or, you know, some I don't think he did next, some point in the next couple of days. Um, if he, if it's that bad, um, then, you know, mid January seems to be that timetable when he'll be back. But yeah, uh, it seemed like <laughs> the opposite of a snowball because, you know, rolling, packing a, a tight little snowball and rolling it down a hill and watching it pick up more snowball is fun. That's really fun. This is like, uh, watch, this was yellow. Snow. This was yellow snow is what it was. Yeah, this is like watching your, your toddler uh, pull on the toilet paper roll and then realize, oh, this is fun. And then just two hands pulling the rest of it. That's what today, that's what today was like. And we needed that toilet paper. We needed it bad. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there was a lot of shit to clean up. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
uh, by the way, that's this, that's this is when it's, we it's, lose it, our heads in this portion of the podcast. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I just put in a two footed challenge. Sorry. Um, you We're know, it's interesting. Minutes like, into recording, We're right on schedule, you guys. <laughs> a, a, a toddler, a toddler can actually be taught that it's worse when a kitten does it because a kitten's not going to know any better. So I've, I've had that experience, too. That's not great. Um, what else is there from this game? Did, did, do we, are there any other incidents that, that need discussing? I feel like we've, we've touched on a lot of them. Um, I kind of just want to, I want to cry. I want to sulk a little bit more for the rest of the week. I mean, there's another game on Saturday for this team, but I just, I don't know that I'm going to recognize some of the players on the pitch, which is very, very different for me. Yeah. I have two things. The first is that I just want to double down on the Vicario praise because he was just immense today. Like, I, there's honestly not a single goalkeeper in the world I would rather have at Tottenham right now, uh, which is weird to say because I didn't know this man's name a few months ago, but it's, it's actually true. And he was playing like prime Neuer out there today, which is a huge compliment coming from me. Um, and I just, I feel like he he is just so important not only to our style of play, which is really evident, like even going down two men, like he he was able to keep us playing that same style because he was just on top of everything. Um, but also I feel like he has a huge connection with the fans already, and you can yep. see that every single game. Um, and the fans were obviously very important to staying in that game as long as we did, I feel like. Um, yeah. And the second thing is that I, I saw the same kind of commitment and fire from Bentoncourt towards the end of that game. Um, just the way he went into that one chance, like just completely oh. no fear for his recently healed body, which scared the crap out of me. <laughs> but I appreciated it that, that he was going that hard because um, he, he knows what it means. You know, he's he's been at the club for a few seasons now, so. He does get it, and I, I don't know that I want to risk starting him so soon. But I, I do feel like if that is the case, he's going to do a job, and you know he's gonna, he's going to work hard. So, but by, by the way, we, we we mentioned the we mentioned the dire chance that that was that was waved off for him being outside. We did thank you for bringing up the Bentoncourt chance too, right off his head. I thought he was going to be able to get a head or a foot on it to to, to score. Um, and it actually leads to the other thing that I forgot I kind of wanted to discuss, and that is after falling down to nine men, this team, this, this is part of the reason why I thought Chelsea, frankly, kind of sucked. Like, and, and yeah, it, it's weird to, to say that about a team that won 4-1, um, but they didn't look very good, even when we were down to two men and some of that, I think goes to what you mentioned earlier, Caroline about Pochettino, not really adjusting. And the other part of it, I think goes to the way that Spurs and this is for Ange, the, the praise here is for Ange, the way that we did not come back and sit low and just try to protect a one, one, like we played a high line. We tried to create chances still even down to two men. And I know there's a lot of discourse about this on, on you know the bird app right now about well was that the right thing to do was that suicidal was that you know was that always going to lead to a chelsea goal i don't know if we're going to lose a game 4-1 i would like to at least know that we had chances late in the match to equalize at 2-2 or maybe go ahead to one even at times and i think that's 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 the kind of ethos that Ange has brought into this club. And he, he mentioned after the game, I don't care if we're down to 10 men, nine men, five men, we're going to have a crack at it. And like, that is, I, I, I watched us for the last two or so years, you know, go behind in matches and sit in a low block and try and counter. And it was the most boring shit I've ever watched. And guess what it led to? It led to a lot of <laughs> losses and a lot of managers getting sacked. This is going to lead to, excitement and fun and yeah you're still going to lose a few games here and there but you're also going to win a few here and there doing it this way as well yeah um i i think that it's that type of play with the right type of players which we have young hungry players mixed with really experienced and you know frankly world-class players 
um, is what brings the commitment that we've seen from this team in the last few weeks out. Um, and when the players care, the fans care even more, which is crazy because the, the fans already care more than the players do. That If that's not a, a common knowledge thing to you, dear listener, I hope that it is. We care so much more than these players do about these wins and these losses. Um, partially because this is their job. This is like they're clocking in and clocking out and, you know, going to do other things. Uh, you know, we saw Marcus Rashford get, get dropped from the United squad for being out celebrating his birthday after losing the Manchester Derby last week. And that's utterly ridiculous. <laughs> Just from a professional stand, like that is ridiculous to expect someone to to care as much about their job in that way. We don't expect that in any other uh, field. So, but when we when we see the players caring as much as we do, which is what we we're seeing right now with this Tottenham Hotspur squad, led by Ange Postecoglou, who cares as much as we do um it's a wonderful feeling and it leads to things like today losing 4-1 at home to our to a, a returning coach and there's no toxicity to be found <laughs> everyone is in some ways more optimistic than they were before kickoff um, and I don't really know how to explain that, but man, do I hope that this sticks around for forever, uh, because it's, it, it's fun and it's, it, it's great to experience. Well, and you heard it from Vicario after the match talking about how he's never heard, uh, a, 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 a supporters group like that loud and boisterous after losing a game four one, like the fans after the match were, were singing and seemed, you know, just, 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 we're just backing the players in such a way that was not going to happen under Conte or Mourinho. And the players, uh, you know, I, I get what you're saying about the players don't care as much, but guess what gets them to care? It's hearing that, hearing exactly, after a yeah. match, hearing a four, seeing, going and watching a four-one defeat to not only a returning manager but a hated rival in a game where just everything went went to hell in a handbasket so quickly and you saw the effort from the players. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like you saw them playing the way that Ange wanted them to play, playing that high line, but not just going through the motions, doing it in a way that was aggressive and that was important for fans to see, Hey, yeah, we're losing in this match or we're down to it. Our backs are up against the wall, but we're not going to just roll over and die. We're, we're going to fight for this. And that was, that was just really heartening to see. And, you know, the onus really was on Chelsea to take advantage of us being down to nine men. And we, we did still have that confidence to play the high line and it, it almost worked. I mean, even when Jackson finally got the game winning goal, I think it was in what 75th minute. It, they still had to check for offside because we, we very nearly pulled off the offside trap correctly. Um, but, you know, we played all but 10 minutes of the second half with the being two men down. And it took that long for them to find a winner. And then not until four minutes into stoppage time to get the decisive third goal. And, you know, we talked earlier about kind of a turning point moment with Sun's first goal being disallowed. And then this was kind of another situation where Sun, you know, he had his shot saved by Sanchez. And they immediately scored right after that. So I think I think it was really just a case of the the mental toll of playing that hard in those constraints for that long kind of finally got to us and we we slipped a little bit. But yeah, I don't think we have anything to be ashamed of for that second half performance. Certainly the players who are on the pitch don't have anything to be ashamed of. You know, we've talked about how we feel about the players that got themselves sent off, and that's a different story. But yeah, I don't, I don't think Chelsea came out of this game covered in glory by any means, and it's, it means more to me as a fan that we stayed true to our identity 
and nearly pulled off a result. You know, we were, we were that close. So I'm not ever going to complain about uh, risky tactics when, when they actually kind of almost work. The last thing I kind of wanted to get into from this match was just Ange's comments after the match, because obviously he's going to be asked about all of the VAR of it all. And we, we, I, we, we played a little bit at the top. There's another clip of his, an even longer clip uh, that we're going to play at the end of this podcast that, that you should stick around and listen to. But there was just such a contrast between the way that he addresses these things and some of the other Premier League managers address these things. And I think that's notable. Um, I think he's frustrated. I think he's, he's frustrated that things went poorly for Spurs in this match, but I don't think he's making excuses. I think he's frustrated with the way that the game is going writ large and not with the way this game went. And I think it's, it's interesting. You know, I don't think you're going to see any um, statements issued from Spurs after this match about, you know, (laughs) replays of matches or anything silly like that. I don't think Spurs are going to be issuing any uh, statements, but I did see someone on, on the internet say, you know, maybe they should issue a statement and it should just be like on to the next one, mate. Like, honestly, that is kind of like, that's this guy's mindset. And I think that should be this guy's mindset. It's, you know, you get the, 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 the bad bounces in some games and you've just got to move on from them. But I do think the way that he speaks about VAR in general and just the stoppage is kind of what I was talking about earlier. You're not watching football at that point. You're watching men draw lines on screens and that's not mm-hmm. enjoyable. I just appreciated the way that he spoke about all of this controversy going on with, with VAR and officiating in general. And and he spoke, he spoke really interestingly about the authority that officials have or should have or used to have. And I just, it is an interesting thing that that's going on in the game right now. And we're seeing, you know, we, we heard from, from Arsenal's manager earlier this weekend, you know, them bitching and moaning about things. We've seen it from Klopp and Liverpool. Like it's just, it's, this is not this guy's style. And I think that's something that I really appreciate as well. Yeah. I, I personally would love to see us issue a statement tomorrow um, that just says we fully back what our manager said about the referees and you know basically let's copy and paste uh you know tongue-in-cheek what our neighbors down the road uh said in their statement last weekend um because you know our manager is handling things like an adult instead of a petulant child um and is simply calling out the ways He, he is bringing solutions to the table and calling out things that are that are wrong and patterns that he sees uh rather than just complaining uh which ultimately gets no one anywhere so uh another another week another day another example of why we're all so glad to have Ange Postacoglu as the the leader of our club and the person who's speaking into microphones every week yeah, and I mean, let's just be honest, that game was not lost by VAR decisions. Um, it was, you know, a lot, a lot of things happen in a game of football <laughs> that create the result. And in, in this one, we had a heaping dose of bad injury luck, which certainly did not help. Um, and I think, you know, Ange is just being being honest about that, that you, you just have to move on to the next game sometimes and accept that it didn't go your way and referees are fallible human beings at the end of the day they are it's true uh it's wolves next it's a trip to them all new uh it's saturday it's never easy when you go there um especially when you are down bad like spurs are so we will have to see lunchtime kickoff as well Oh yeah, we we know we love those. By the way, did I miss? Is there another international break this month? There is. Like, what are we doing? Two exactly whole weeks for Mickey on? to heal up. Oh my gosh! Yes, let's. Yes, let's I think that that's what it is. I I I, I think Mickey's kind. <laughs> I think Mickey's. I mean, gone. he needs more than two weeks. I'm just saying, he, you know, those How about two weeks, weeks for Madison to heal up. <laughs> yes, Matt. I think yeah, I think Madison will miss. Madison will miss Saturday against Wolves, but he should be back the next Sunday, 15 days later, for our home match against Aston Villa. Uh, 
which we will need him because Aston Villa is a very good team with business casual Dracula manning their sidelines. Yeah, there's no question. And then after that, it's the Man City match. So there, uh, there's going to be some challenges over these next few weeks with everything that, that all the fallout from this match uh, that, that ensues. So we will have to kind of just see how that all plays out. Um, before yeah, we get that, out of here, I city do... match, that city match is away. So we're going to have to score more than one if we want to win. Um, if it was at home, we knew that we know that one goal yeah, one typically is enough, enough. Uh, but it's away. So we're going to have to find a couple. Alas, that's also, that's also why it's so jarring still for me to see Sterling in a Chelsea kit, like, and him just kind of struggle to score without using his hands. He's still like, never scored. <laughs> he's still just doing the business and having a hell of a time against Spurs, which I do enjoy uh, very, very much. Uh, before we get out of here, let's let's touch on the women's team because I I hate to call this a disappointing result for the women this weekend, but there it definitely left a little bit to be desired. It's a one-one draw at home against Everton, and I think the only reason it's disappointing is because the equalizer came so late and came on a penalty in which you're just like, oh, that's kind of shitty. Um, but Caroline, this was. I thought a pretty good performance still, despite it only being a point at home against a team that you probably should, if you, if you have aspirations, you should probably be getting three at this stage of the season. Yes. Unfortunately, Everton appeared to be our bogey team in the WSL for whatever reason. But I do think this was kind of a case of, again, us losing the game rather than Everton winning the game. You know, kind of like Chelsea did not win that game in the Premier League. Um, what I mean by that is that we had so many chances. And I'm talking quality chances, high quality chances um, that we just did not finish. Um, and the one that we did finish actually was a really beautiful goal uh, scored by Grace Clinton. And I also just want to shout out Drew Spence because she was all over that goal, like the, the build up, the assist. Um, she basically created that goal and I thought she had one of her best performances of the season so far. So that was encouraging, um, since obviously she didn't start in the previous game. Maybe that was a little motivation for her, but the, the fact that we, you know, didn't finish those chances, kept Everton in the game. And then right at the end, it was just a moment where, you know, we, I think, I think it was Angerad James made kind of a goal line clearance and it got out to Evelina Sumanen and she did not clear the ball, which gave Grace Clinton, unfortunately, the opportunity to create the world's softest penalty. Um, and it's this one is frustrating to me because it's one of those where it's like, don't give the ref the chance <laughs> to call that. Um, it's also frustrating because... Exactly right. A very similar situation happened to Bunny Shaw. Um, she got fouled from a push in the back in the, in the city's game, and it was not called in that game. So, again, you just want to see some consistency. That's, I think, where most of the frustration around refereeing is coming these days. Not necessarily – I mean, there's no VAR in the WSL, so that's not even a factor. But you just want to see consistency. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's not – we know – Penalty saves are not Becky Spencer's uh, strong suit, so it is what it is. But we're still, um, what is it, third in the league now? So, yeah. I mean, we, can, we really can't complain about the start that we've had to the season. And I, I guess picking up a point against a team that we always have struggles against is is a good thing. Yeah, there's no question about it. Uh, no goal from Martha Thomas, which is shocking, um, but you know, we will, we will live to see another day there. Um, and I thought I honestly, we haven't, we haven't talked about Ash Neville enough this season, but I thought her game was really incredible uh, on Saturday as well, uh, or excuse me on Sunday. Um, and Molly Bartrip as well. I thought was immense um, the whole game, like player of the match for me. Um, and obviously she's been serving as captain while Beth England is out. So I don't think her work should go unnoticed either. She's a she's a yeah no question about it. Uh, there's some there's some rumblings about a an England call up for her soon if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, which would be very very cool. I mean, there are hopes for sure. 
<laughs> not necessarily for me because you know again I do not root for England and will not root for England but um, I'm sorry I'm like alienating all of our English listeners here but yes well, it's, it's I think it's because Ash Neville didn't get the call up when she deserved it so I still have some kind of there's a little bit of bitterness you know, there, yeah yes a little bitterness it's only Speaking 26% of, England, of our listener base Caroline you don't need to feel too yeah, bad really. Speaking of England, uh, let me let me let me get us back on track here and try and land the plane. Speaking of England, Bethany England is apparently working her way back in training, which is nice to nice to hear. That is the latest news there. So, um, if if Martha Thomas's uh, hot goal scoring start does tend to dry up, hopefully Bethany England is 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 on her way back as well. And you know, a reporter did ask Robert Vilham about how he was going to handle, you know, Beth's return with Martha playing so well. I mean, I know she didn't get a goal in this game, but she still had a good performance, I felt like. Um, And he said he basically he was like, I've got a plan. You know, I can play them both together. Um, Y'all should be scared, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Give 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 me two dynamic offensive weapons and uh, see what happens. That's the that's the fuck around and find out meter. I think that Robert Villaham is uh, is showing everyone. I hope I hope he is at least. I, yeah, I'm loving the energy he's been bringing in his his press conferences. It's been great. <laughs> Vibes There's no question. Uh, Spurs next. Spurs women next play Liverpool. That match is Sunday. That's a big one too because Liverpool sit uh, currently level with Spurs on points, only behind them in goal differential in fourth position. Spurs are in third, so kind of a er- nice little early season, like let's see what both of these teams are made of type of deal. I don't think Liverpool are really expected to, to hang around kind of like Spurs in some ways, um, to, uh, you know, in, in this weight class, but we'll see which one comes out in, in this match and can kind of stick around a little longer and maybe continue this, this good start to the season. So um, it is 10 points from five matches for, for Billahem's team so far. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that continues going into next weekend. Um, that I think is it for us, unless we had anything else to clean up from, from the week that was, I feel like, uh, I feel like it was an exhausting week, um, (laughs) in, in, in the world of sports, this whole, the schedule with the men being first, first of the first match of the week, last match of the week. Now we're back to first match of the week next weekend. And it's just, it's really throwing off my whole dynamic and doing these pods on Mondays and, we did a pod on a Friday at one point, I think. I just, I don't know. Like, I blinked, and it's like we're almost to the middle of November already. I feel like it should be late September still, and it's very, very strange, very disconcerting. That's what yes. happened, Andrew. That's All right. what no one, no one, no one had sorry. anything to add. Which, no, it's fine. It's it's getting late here in the states. I think this is my sign. My sign to just. Uh, Get us out of here. I was, I was, I was trying to have a little banter at the end of the pod, and uh, both of you just I'm made just, loud fart noises instead. So I'm wrung out emotionally <laughs> from this weekend's sporting events. Like not just Tottenham, American soccer was was a lot, and uh, yes, I need to recuperate. <laughs> well, we're on sleep to fast. Sleep fast. We're on to Wolves. Uh, I will be on the Whole Lot of Wolves podcast later this week, previewing it for their segment. So check that out. I will retweet that from our podcast account at Tottenham Depot. Uh, make sure you check that out. We'll be chatting with. I'm, I can't wait to hear what the gentlemen from Whole Lot of Wolves have to ask me about. Uh, there's nothing that's going on in, in in terms of Spurs, and all of a sudden I have a, a match against Wolves to fear that I did not really fear before today. Um, but all of a sudden I'm like, nah. who knows what the hell is going to happen? So nah, they're, they're, dude, they're pretty bad. Um, <laughs> Pedro, especially Pedro Neto also has a hamstring that's in several pieces. Um, and he's like pretty much their only good player. And, uh, Adama Traore plays for Fulham now. So we don't have to worry about that. Um, so until we play Fulham. somebody, Somebody, Again. somebody, book bookmark this when we inevitably like, you know, lose one nil. But there's they're pretty bad. I think we're I think we'll be okay. This is of all the teams that are going to be mid table teams for us to come up against after what happened today. L- uh, let me just tell you, I'm. Let me just tell you, I'm fully expecting a Matt Darty brace and a two-one defeat. So, uh, oh, I forgot he plays for them again. That's where my. That's where <laughs> my brain is right now. Said that Nito was their only good player when Darty is right there. The disrespect. I said. 
I said what I said. Oh. <laughs> that's that's harsh on the lad. Harsh on the lad. Okay. Uh, I've had enough. I think you guys have as well. Follow us at Tottenham Depot. Leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. You can follow Dakota at Dakota J Booth. Follow Caroline at CG Stefko. Follow me at Astetka. We will be back with you next weekend. Uh, hopefully we're all recovered from whatever the hell it was we've, we've witnessed. Uh, and until then, as always, come on, you Spurs. I've never and I never will talk to a referee about the rules of the game. I was taught that you grow up and you respect the officials. You know what managers do? I'll tell you what managers do, me included. We try and find ways to bend the rules, to get around them. Tell me what the rule is, and I guarantee you'll have a room full of managers processing how can I get around this. They're not the, we're not the right people. And I get that people keep saying that. I don't agree with it. What I want is the best officials always being upskilled to officiate the game. But I, I, I think it's so hard for a referee to, to, to officiate these days. Their, their authority is just constantly getting diminished. I just, I just don't know how – like I said, I used to be – I grew up afraid of referees. I'd be like policemen, you know. But nowadays, I guess we talk back to policemen as well. So maybe it's just – like I said, I'm old school, mate. So I'm, I'm, I'm of a bygone era and I just like the purity of the game. But that's not what's going on. And I've got – part of this is my problem. I've got, to, I've got to embrace it and find a way to, to work with it. But it goes against everything I want to try in my team. I, I, want, to, I want my team to play fast, attacking, high tempo, go out at football. If we get a red card and it's a penalty against us, so what? Let's cop it. Let's go again. But then we have to stand around for two minutes to figure out whether something was offside or not. Let the linesman make the decision. Remember, it used to be the benefit of the doubt. Do we all remember that? To the striker. We all lived with it. Didn't, didn't, the game didn't collapse. But like I said, I'm, I'm like an old man shouting at the clouds, mate. You know, I'll, I'll get, I'll, I'll cop it for that, but that's, that's who I am.